Welcome to this week's edition of the Magic Hour here at the Forum Club at the Athletic LA. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky, continuing to pick up the slack of a vacationing Bill Orm and bringing you the Lakers news. Andy, um, get back. Hopefully, get back to sort of both little Lakers news, little movies, uh, all that stuff going forward. But it was kind of a continue an interesting week as we continue inching our way back and feeling our way back towards the restart. You know, we'll start there this week, but. If people have been paying attention, have noticed Andy uh, cases and and the more importantly the positive test rate is headed up in yes. uh, places like Orange County, Florida, where Orlando is located. Oh, by the way, Disney World, where the players are going. Yeah, it's uh, disconcerting to say the very least. I mean, the caveat, I guess, or the bright side, however you want to look at it, is that the Lakers and all these other teams will be inside what is being attempted to become this, you know, pristine bubble. And I guess the glass half full version of this would be once you get people inside, you know, this biodome, if you will, uh, the happiest biodome on earth. It's not a biodome unless Polly Shore is there. And to my knowledge, Polly Shore is not going to be allowed inside the dome and therefore the bubble. And therefore, we cannot call it the biodome. Nor Stephen Baldwin, for that matter. But the is he the crazy is, one? Stephen Baldwin? Yeah. Yes, he is. I get them confused. There's Alec and is it Billy the one you don't hear much from, right? Billy is the prettiest one. I think he's universally considered uh, the prettiest. Alec is Alec, obviously. He is the, the most famous of the Baldwins. There's Daniel, who actually I think was a really good actor. He was on the TV show Homicide, Life on the Street, yes. one of my favorite shows. And he had some substance abuse issues, I believe, that kind of derailed his career. But I actually think he was a really good actor for a while. And then there was Steven, who I think was the weakest of all the actors, but he's definitely without question. Well, you know what? I was about to say that Stephen Baldwin is the craziest of all of them, but I, I think we do have to be fair in this because some of this, you know, without showing our no, hearts I'm, too I'm transparently not, is right, politics. No, it's, it's politics, and, but and, is he crazy politicky or like? No, he he is crazy politicky. I think at least he's not. Opinion. No, he's not my politics. Is he James Woods? Like James Woods mm -hmm. is not a James Woods is a conspiracy theorist. Guy. I don't believe Stephen Baldwin is okay. that far in his politics. So he's, just I think a, he's just right. What I was going to get at to make sure people understood this, that it wasn't purely political. His politics are different than mine, but I think he also happens to be kind of crazy. <laughs> but that being said, Alec Baldwin's politics are closer to my own, but it should be said that dude's also kind of crazy. And might be kind of a bleep. Yes. Like, yes. correct? Yes. Yes. And let's um, make it like there are, you know, both, both, okay, we vote further left than, than Stephen Baldwin. You can be an a-hole and be on my team. Like, oh, there's, no, there's no well, exclusion I mean, there. Brian, you know how I generally uh, sum these things up. I just don't like people. That's true. <laughs> so that, that's, that is know, absolutely part of true. the issue. I, I'm not a big fan of people in general, which gives me a very wide uh, political spectrum to dislike people from. And I, of course, am very anti-Floridians. And so, yeah. uh, which gives me a lot of reason to dislike what's going on there. I'm actually, again, not anti, well, partially anti-certain Floridians. I'm very anti-Florida. It is reinforcing what we're seeing. Anywho. Right now. It <laughs> is reinforcing. 
It's reinforcing the problem that really no matter where you put this thing, you're going to have because and why the rules, which we were joking about, like you can't play doubles ping pong, you know, ha ha ha, like all this stuff, like, you know, I can't leave the bubble. It's going to be funny when everybody imports their cousin into, you know, into the bubble as friends and family so they can have some companionship. You see now, Andy, why with basically every football program in the country having to shut down this week because, you know, scads of football players are, are all testing positive and Major League Baseball shut down their spring training facilities this week. This is why the rules have to be this strict because if they don't do it this way, there is a 0% chance that this thing is going to be successful in Orlando. Yeah, I mean, the truth is it may not be successful in Orlando anyway, but as much as you will give an organization credit for trying to do this, because if everybody was truly worried, you know, safety first, you wouldn't be attempting it at all. But obviously, a lot of different factions want this to happen, so they're trying it. I think the NBA is doing this in a way that is most relatively safe and responsible as compared to, say, the NFL, which you know, their first choice plan and the one that they're putting out there for now is trying to do it as business as usual as possible with fans. I think ultimately that's going to end up. What do you think? Like, do you think that's, what do you think from a fan standpoint? Is that smart or not? Because I think from, from one side of it, you could look at it and say, there's really no reason for them at this point to prescribe anything for what they're going to do because the ground is shifting. As we've seen, the ground is shifting incredibly fast and you don't want to sort of commit to anything at this point. If you commit to, we're going to do this with no fans in the stands and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, by September, the environment is different and you, you roll that back. Then you're kind of leaving yourself open to accusations of being greedy and not caring about safety and whatever it might be. If you say we're going to do it normally and then pull back, I wonder if it feels like you just have a little bit more free. They don't have to make a commitment yet. They have not truly committed. I think ultimately the way that they're doing this is probably the smartest way mm-hmm. because you can always say, we thought that it would be okay. Then ultimately, as we learn more information and got closer to this, we realized that it wasn't safe. And then because of our concern for our fans, we decided to do it this right. way. And a concern for our players, they have to do right. X, Y, and Z, whatever I, it might be. I think you can always dial it back. I, I honestly, I think the way the NFL has approached this has been kind of transparently unrealistic, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's been necessarily problematic, if that makes sense. What's funny about what, not funny, funny, but like, uh, you know, Slingblade would say not funny, haha. The NBA, when they started the, the kind of the, the talk and the plans of all these things, it was always in the context of two things, that widespread testing would be available, which is true. You know, the NBA, is no, there's no shortage of tests. They will not be taking tests away from anyone. That part has come true. But it was, I think it was also with the assumption that cases and the pandemic and control of it would start to be coming down. And probably, you know, and, and right now we're not getting that. It plateaued in a lot of places. And in some places, Arizona, Texas, California to some degree, Florida for sure. They're going back up. The perception from people is like you're getting some spikes in some places that where you don't want it. And that wasn't supposed to be the context. It wasn't supposed to be the context where you'd be putting on sports and starting these games again in a world where the virus was getting worse. Maybe it wasn't getting a whole lot better. Maybe it was flat but it wasn't supposed to be getting worse. And as you know, Andy, it takes a couple of weeks. So even if they fixed everything today, 
the numbers would kind of keep going up for you know a week, 10 days, whatever it is, before it would start to kind of curve back down. So what it looks like in mid-July, July 7th, 8th, 9th, when teams are supposed to get to Orlando, who the hell knows at this point? I have no idea. I mean, I, I'd be lying if I said I understood this well enough to know whether there's time to try to reverse trends or if this is clearly moving in a bad, wrong direction. Again, I think the NBA has tried to set up as sensible a plan as possible. And I, and I imagine a lot of this is just, okay, how do we get everybody inside Disney World? You know, once you enter, you immediately quarantine. Everybody on your team spends, I believe, 48 hours in their room by mm -hmm. themselves. And they're going to be doing a lot of testing then. And, you know, what we don't know right now is, that, you know, the percentage of NBA players who currently are positive. You know, the, there was, you know, that little flurry in the beginning when the season was uh, canceled. But since then, to the best of my knowledge, there's not been a lot of uh, testing going on that we know of. It, right. it could be going on and we're not aware. But in terms of what's being reported, there's not a lot out there. And I think the hope is you get everybody inside that bubble. Uh, you do your quarantine. You do your testing. The numbers of positive tests that do come up are surprisingly low, happily low. And then you work from there. Like that's the best case scenario, I think that they hope for in early July when everybody's in Orlando. I, maybe one reference point might be, I, I read this week, 11 of 200 NHL players who have been working out for like the last couple of weeks have tested positive, which is right around that 5% figure, which is seems to be sitting on the national average. You know, It's a little over 5%, which you want to be under that. And I would suspect that NBA players are probably representative at the very least of the rest of the country. So you're going to see some positive tests when this goes on. The question is, like, like you said, what happens when they get to Orlando? If you start to get to a situation where the health situation looks really bad or looks like it's getting increasingly worse as it gets closer to the time that NBA players are supposed to be arriving in Orlando, when you combine that with the legitimate questions that are going on from people like, Dwight Howard and Avery Bradley and Lou Williams and others about whether or not they should be playing at all, given the attention on racial justice right now uh, following the, the killing of George Floyd. That changes the context in which guys make their choices and make their decisions, because if they think they're going to get sick or they think that you know, there's a possibility they could bring this home with them or their families won't be able to join them at all because it's not safe enough. More guys probably say, no, I don't want to be there. Or you see a lot less enthusiasm at the very least for it. Well, this is, though, by the way, too, Brian, why it was so unwise for Kyle Kuzma to be photographed earlier uh, last week at a record release party in Beverly Hills for Tiana Taylor. Yeah, he probably. Was he was there with his girlfriend, Winnie Harlow. She's a model. And uh, Odell Beckham Jr. was there. Uh, Cardi B was there with Offset and their child. The good news is that... Is it normal Kuzma, to bring a kid to a record release party? I mean... <laughs> I don't get invited to these things, so I don't have a chance to, you know, to, you know, to what? know if I should bring my kids or get a sitter. I have actually been to a record release party before. It was a long, long time ago. I don't recall a kid being there. But then again, I mean, you know, like, I feel like if you're Cardi B, the rules are just completely oh, different for no, you anyway. I'm not I'm not saying that like somebody should have stopped them at the door. I'm just no, no, no. That, I, I don't even... Normal. I'm just saying like whether, yeah, whether normal or not, it just feels like Cardi B is just sort of her own category. She's got a lot of juice at the moment. And, you know, there's naturally TMZ photos of Kuzma at this party. And on one hand, 
kudos to him. He was wearing a mask. And also everybody in the uh, party was wearing hazmat suits because that was the theme to the party, which, by the way, is a very good sign that this party shouldn't be happening if the theme is put on your hazmat suit. But uh, his girlfriend, Winnie Harlow, at least in these photos, was not wearing a mask. And there were a lot of other people at this party wearing the mask. Uh, do you know the name of Tiana Taylor's album, by the way? I mean, you know the answer to that. That was a rhetorical <laughs> question. You knew the answer to that. No, of course I don't know the answer. I don't know who Tiana Taylor is. Well, first of all, that I didn't either. And this was one of those things that really made me feel old. Because usually, like, like, I don't know consciously if I know any of Offset's music. There's songs I've heard, and I just don't know that it's Offset. But I had heard of Offset. I've never heard of Tiana Taylor. I don't know what an off. I don't know what Offset is. The name of her album is the album. <laughs> it's just called the album. And that's by an artist named Offset. No, that's Tiana Taylor. Okay, Tiana Taylor is Offset. No, Tiana Taylor's <laughs> Tiana Taylor. Offset, Offset is, is who's with uh, Cardi B. Oh, so Offset's a different person. Offset is a different person. Finkel. Yes is Einhorn. <laughs> exactly. And Einhorn is Finkel. Exactly. I got you. Okay. This and which not, one of them is Florida? <laughs> this is not like when it turns out that Brad Pitt and Edward Norton, they're both oh, Tyler no, Durden. No, I just, but like, you know, again, you're understanding, like, it was only like an hour ago I learned The weekend was not a group of people. <laughs> that was amazing. And by the way, it's been longer, it has been longer than, I've known this for about a year, I think, at this point, the, that The, the weekend the, was not a band. I think I know the moment where you discover that The Weeknd was a person. When I told you that The Weeknd appeared in Uncut Gems with Adam Sandler, you're like, wait, The Weeknd's a person? It might be that. I don't know. I think the that's point is, the it's, The point is, most people knew that a while ago. Right. <laughs> like, this well, was not brand new news, and I was no. late catching on. Because, and as it turns out, I've heard some of, some of his and not their songs. You see, I'm using the right pronouns now. I just didn't know what, what it was. All I can say with Kuzma, first of all, I do want to thank him for paying off the jokes that we've been making since mid-March about him being the Laker we're most worried about not being able to handle social distancing because I think mm -hmm. some people might have thought we were being unfair or jumping no. to conclusions because he's the most like Instagram-y, Insta-model-y dude on the team. But as it turns out, <laughs> we were accurate. If you're going to be going to a release party, better be your own album right now. I don't really feel like you needed to go to Tiana Taylor. It's just a bad look. It's just a bad look. So and bad. hopefully, you know, it's, but I mean, look, I, I am a person who believes that release parties should not be happening right now. Like it is all well and good to point fingers at, you know, different things and people are, Oh my God, how can you have, you know, this when people are upset about, you know, Trump's political rally this weekend. And then, you know, you can't point at that and say that a, release party for a record is okay either. So, I mean, it's like... How important is the album? Right. I mean, I think you can put protests into a different category, yes. understanding that there is still a risk. Absolutely. Um, the risk doesn't go away because the, no. the moral justification is much, right. much but it, stronger. But that's about prioritizing why you put yourself or maybe Correct. other people around you at risk. At Again, risk. no disrespect to Tiana Taylor if for no other reason that I don't know who she is. Right. But I just, but I just don't think disrespect might be warranted. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just saying this doesn't qualify. Plus if you're Kuzma and again, you've got that reputation and this is one of your last chances to try to get an extension 
you know, before next, right. uh, I mean, before this, next season this, starts I don't think up. This but, necessarily is going to matter, but you're talking, yeah, I want to get out there and play. Let's go, let's go do this. Let's go it's win a title. I'm serious. I'm serious about basketball. I'm it's, you have to read the room and you know, are other guys out doing stuff? Could people be having parties at their houses that I don't know? Yeah, I don't know, but you know what? Keep it out of the media. Right. Uh, and you, and you have to know if you're Kyle Kuzma and you go to an event like that, somebody's going to take the picture and it's going to get out somewhere. It is, in fact, a bad look. One thing that I think is going really well for the Lakers in chemistry, and I don't expect this to have much of an impact on it, the Lakers you know, are led, obviously, by LeBron James. LeBron has been out in front of the, you know, let's get out and play. Uh, we can walk and chew gum. We can do social justice and racial justice while we do the rest of the season. Obviously, LeBron recognizes this as a, as a you know, he doesn't have that many opportunities to win a championship beyond this year. There are only so many years left. So that's part of it. But at the same time, you know, we're getting some pushback from Dwight Howard, from Avery Bradley. And I think it's significant that these guys are on the Lakers. These are teammates of LeBron's pushing back against not just their team leader, but really the most powerful athlete in North American sports. And there isn't, doesn't seem to be a problem. I mean, it says, says to me that these guys really understand and trust each other and believe that whatever the resolution to the, this is what we decide to do, how we leverage our, our voice right now. We are genuinely all in this together and we respect each other's opinion. This is an extension of something that we've heard all year with this team. I've heard Dwight talk about it. I've heard JaVale McGee talk about it, Alex Caruso, just that everybody on this team has a voice. They may not have equal voice. I mean, at the end of the day, LeBron is the most powerful guy on this team and he should be. And ultimately, his voice is going to hold the most sway. But Anthony Davis has been empowered since the minute he signed with the Lakers, specifically and outwardly by LeBron. Mm-hmm. We've seen DeMarcus Cousins speak up over the course of a year where he didn't even play. And I think to LeBron's credit, he has given guys a lot of importance in that locker room. And I think because of that, you know, over time, you build up a comfort level in perhaps putting out public messaging that could run counter to somebody like LeBron's in a way that won't feel hostile or, you know, fuel animosity. I think when you look at what this means when they get there, like you and I debate this all the time about team chemistry and how much it matters. You are more a believer in the importance of good team chemistry than I am. I think it's, it does matter when, when things are going wrong. That's my big thing. That's my big thing about chemistry is that I think the value of it is really demonstrated when things aren't mm-hmm. good, as and I think I think that's I, I, that part I agree with, but this is going to be an exception. Like if the if, assuming everybody goes and this happens, and the Lakers do what we expect them to do and make it at the very least to the Western Conference Finals and, and into the finals beyond that, they're going to be in this bubble basically with each other for a, the overwhelming amount of time. And if you don't have good chemistry, if you don't have the ability to not just get along well together, but when things pop up, be able to air those grievances and air that those disagreements, work through them quickly and respectfully, you're not going to make it through Orlando. Like, just not. It, the, the circumstances are too much. You're going to have very little ability to get away from your teammates when you need space. And so I think from a mental standpoint, the Lakers are well-suited. I don't know how they compare to other teams. I, there's, it's impossible to say. But at the very least, like, do they pass like, you know, the threshold? Are they tall enough to ride this ride? 
mentally, absolutely they are. I think this is a great sign. Yeah. We've been around a lot of teams. We've been around a lot of teams that got along well. We've been around a lot of teams that could not stand each other. We've been around teams where the culture inside the locker room was pretty bad. You know, we're talking across sports. Right. Not just the Lakers. Right. Not just the Lakers, not just the NBA. But this is a group that I think unusually, they're unusually uh, excited to be around each other. Yeah, you like believe this is, like you it, actually you you actually believe them when they I've never well I've I've never seen anything that has given me indication otherwise. Mm-hmm. I've never heard anything that gives you indication otherwise. They really do seem to enjoy being around each other, and I think that in and of itself is going to be important because, like you said, the opportunities to get sick of each other are going to be really, really high. We still don't know uh, what anything's going to look like. And that includes, Andy, who's going to show up, who's not going to show up, and who they might bring in. Because it's upcoming, I don't know the date in front of me, but it's upcoming pretty soon where, where teams will be allowed to add to their rosters. You have 14 guys, you can add a 15th guy. Everybody's going to be able to bring 17. You can bring 15 plus your two-way players. The Lakers have a full roster of 15 players. I'm assuming for the time being until you're differently that Dwight Howard and Avery Bradley are both going to play. But there is an open question as to whether or not the Lakers ought to bring DeMarcus Cousins back. And to do it, they'd have to cut someone. They don't have the roster space. Should they? What do you think? You know, actually, it's funny. My thinking on this has shifted over the last week or so, and it may be a credit to your power of persuasion. But, That's right. Uh, like, I am a very persuasive writer, and I wrote about this on The Athletic. Now, we'll decide whether or not you actually read the piece by where you go here, because if you come to the wrong side of it, you didn't actually read it. You're just trying to be nice. I did go all the way down, though, and give it an to awesome. To click on the happy face. <laughs> if that, makes, if that makes you feel better. No, yeah, that's I fine. Did. At that point, I don't care if you read it. I just want my happy face. Okay. I just want to make sure you understand that I did I did give you your awesome and saw the boom glad you enjoyed it boom one of the things that you brought up my reticence to signing boogie has always been the idea of if JaVale McGee and Dwight are both playing and they're both playing at the level that they had been before the season was suspended which was very well and then you combine the minutes uh that Anthony Davis would naturally be playing at center over the course of a game too I didn't know where you would actually put Boogie on the floor because he can't play the four. Like, he has to be playing minutes at the five. No Just question. Matchup-wise, he can't handle defensively playing against power forwards, particularly ones that can stretch the floor. But then the idea that we don't know about players' availability, even if they're there, because of the risks of COVID and the idea that guys may end up testing positive out of nowhere. Or, you know, the case of JaVale McGee, for example, who has a pre-existing condition with asthma that, you know, you don't know if his availability could somehow become in question or I guess what's going on with Dwight, mm-hmm. although I agree with you until I hear otherwise, I'm assuming. I'm just, I'm just assuming with all these guys, I'm assuming they're playing until they don't. Right. And if they don't, then it becomes a different conversation. But, I think but, but the, idea that, like that. the idea that availability could present itself more for Cousins than I initially had thought about and wanting to prepare for that if it happens assuming Boogie is able to get on the floor Mm -hmm. and play at the level that he was at that we saw last year in Golden State, where he he was almost like a situational lefty, then I could see the argument for bringing him on the roster just to have him. Mm -hmm. And also, he's very, very well-liked in that locker room. Oh, yeah, no question. And And this, like we talked about before, 
is going to be a pretty unpleasant setting over the course of a few months if the Lakers end up playing that long. Yeah. Might be somebody that would be good to have around in that sense. You're obviously 1,000% correct in, in the concern over COVID and, and guys becoming unavailable. I actually think conventional injury is just going to be the bigger threat. I mean, I think more guys are going to get sure. hurt in this setup. I think, you know, in, honestly, I think that's one reason that Boogie might not want to play. Um, yes. I, I, you know, I was reading today that Victor Oladipo is not sure if he's going to go because he was playing at 75, 80% or whatever, what it was with Indiana. You take this time off. He's coming off major injury. You ramp it back up at a time you're not supposed to. Then you got to ramp it back down, ramp it back up. The, for guys who are coming off real injuries. and should at least gone, bring him to sing the anthem, though. That's different. He's really Although, good. Oladipo has a that's great a lot voice. Of quor- that's a lot of quarantining just for that. But yeah, that is true. That's a you go crappy gig for a land, for uh, Oladipo now. Boogie's got right, but but you go through Boogie. He's got the 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 Achilles. He's got the quad tear that kept him out of the playoffs. The more, ACL, most of the playoffs, and then the ACL. That's all since January of 2018. So you pile all those things together. It's a lot of injuries. You now you you go into a place where even healthy players are worried about the calendar in terms of how they restart. His risk of injury has got to be higher than other people's. And one more big injury, he may not ever be in the league again. I'm not 100% sure he's going to be in the league again regardless, but you're correct. Right. You I mean, I, I think I, I, I disagree with that. I think he'll somebody will put him on a roster next year or give him a shot at it. But another significant injury, might not even have the choice. So you have to assume both that he's able to play and that he's willing to play. And then from there, this is one of those deals. Like you say, you don't know what's going to happen, and you need 15 guys who can contribute. Talon Horton Tucker. Talon. T- either one. <laughs> Just, he prefers Talon. Eh, I don't think he's earned that right. <laughs> <laughs> when he starts playing in NBA games, he can tell me how to pronounce his name. Okay. Um, until then, he's not going to contribute. He's not going to play. And even a sort of boogie on his way back. Like I, I was mentioning this to somebody in the, in the comment section of that story. Like, the, why don't they cut Jared Dudley? And the answer is because Jared Dudley can step on a court and coaches will know Absolutely. exactly oh, what you're not cutting Jared Dudley for this? Absolutely Beyond, beyond the team chemistry issue, just as a player, like, he's probably not going to play a lot. But if, in the eight minutes that you might need him in game three Look, of whatever. For what was asked of Jared Dudley this season, he played really well. He's been fine. That's he's been he, better than fine. I'm but saying he's way, actually been good. Either way, though, what he is is predictable. Yes. And so Frank Vogel can put him out on the floor for nine minutes and know that in those same nine reason, minutes, he's going to win cook is not yes, get cut for this. He's going to make the right defensive rotation. He's going to make the right pass. He might not hit the shot. He might get beat defensively. He might, he's still Jared Dudley. I get that. But you put either one of those Horton Tuckers on the floor, Andy, both mm-hmm. of them, you don't know that. And you can't afford to put guys on the floor that you don't know what. And Boogie will make the right basketball plays far more often than Horton Tucker will. Plus, yeah. he's just better. And so you put all that stuff together. I don't, he might only matter in two games of the 25 that you play. But Horton Tucker's going to matter. Who I would cut. I would keep waiters for the same reason as I would bring in Boogie. Horton Tucker's going to be useful in zero. Boogie, waiters, those guys might be useful in two or three or four. If nobody gets hurt or nobody, you know, whatever, but that's enough. That's enough for me. It's tough in the sense that Horton Tucker is one of their only young players yep. and he's played well in the G League. Yep. All I've heard is that they like him 
and he's really young. Like, I mean, even by rookie standards. He's, he's about as young as you can be and be eligible to be in the NBA. So obviously the Lakers would want to have a guy like that on hand and, and, and continue to have his rights. But it is harder to win a championship, particularly this year, than it is to find a Taylor Horton Tucker. So he's probably the guy that they end up, like you said, cutting ahead of waiters. Uh, even though Dion hasn't played a single minute with the team this and year, I frankly forgot he was on the team. <laughs> right, but I mean, but ultimately, Frank Vogel and I and I understand this, and it's a bizarre thing to say this about Dion Waiters, but he's going to trust Dion Waiters more than he trusts Taylor Horton Tucker, or Taylor Horton Tucker, either one of them. Which you know speaks to how little trust most rookies have from their coaches. If Dion's the one, and it's, that it's not reliable. a criticism of Horton Tucker. Like no, you know, he's like not said, supposed to be able to do that. There's a great line in uh, the last season, the book that uh, Phil Jackson wrote about the 2004 year and Peyton and Malone, the super team that wasn't, uh, well, I mean, they did get to the finals. I think right. they rag on that team a little too much. Phil Jackson talked about how at, after the final game when Detroit beat him and he was talking with all the players in the locker room, he went around to each guy like individually. And I think there may have even been at the exit interviews. And Brian Cook said to him, you know, I'm sorry I couldn't give you more. And Phil Jackson said, everybody has to be a rookie. And, you know, that's Horton Tucker right now. Yeah, I mean, if you're being really practical about this, he is likely the guy that you cut. I think we'll find out. Like, if the Lakers don't sign him and nobody else signs him, it probably means Boogie put it out there like, I'm not sure about this. I'm not able to. It's too risky. I don't want to do it. If he ends up on another team, though, yeah. I mean, I wonder if, you know, what the reaction to that's going to be among Lakers fans. Depends on if it's he not a make or break thing. It probably depends on which team too. Well, it depends on which team. It depends on if he plays. I mean, because if he if he ends up on a roster but doesn't play, oh, then sure. I think most Laker fans are going to be like, well, whatever. He probably wouldn't have played for us either. Probably. Or if he doesn't play on that team because X, Y, and Z is in front of him, but then the Lakers go and they get end up down a center. The interesting, I, I've heard a lot of people say this, and we'll 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 get out of here in a second here. But you know, if Dwight doesn't play, they should go sign Boogie. I actually don't think that works. If Dwight doesn't play, you have to find somebody to replace Dwight that you can count on to be healthier. I don't know who that person is. It might be a G League center and you just rely on JaVale. But because you can't count on Boogie to play significant minutes, you actually need to make sure you have a center that can. So I'm not sure it actually helps the case if you lose one of those two guys for whatever reason. Boy, I have no clue. I'm, I'm looking right now at a list that uh, John Hollinger made for The Athletic about uh, free agent players that could end up getting added to a team. And, man, anybody there? No, well, particularly big men. I mean, maybe. Yeah. No, it would, be, it, would be, it would have to be a center Jordan from like Bell. the G League. Maybe. Bell, somebody maybe. like that, but like a center from a G League team or a, a defensive guy, whatever it might be, or both. Like, you, you bring in Boogie, but you also bring in that other guy. Like, you have to have a body that in a pinch can play and you know will kind of make – or at least can be relied on to make it to the playoffs. It's a really interesting wrinkle in there that opening up playing time doesn't necessarily, at least in my mind, make it obvious, oh, yeah, of course you sign Boogie. I understand where you're coming from there. It, it makes sense, although it might end up boogie just because there's nobody else. You go boogie until whoever this random dude is is probably going to be available if somebody else gets hurt or you need him, and then you could just sign that guy later. Or what you do is you tell uh, Anthony Davis, you know how we took it easy on you this year with the five uh, yep. up till this point? Well, guess who's playing the five That's there, right. bro? That's a lot. Of- I mean, it just – 
it's all that's going to be there. I mean, at that point, it's JaVale and, and AD. And we so. find out we find out really how effective this whole Markeith Morris thing would turn out to be. Yep. All right. So that's what's going on. And uh, um, really quick, I want to uh, let our listeners know that on June 23rd, they should be looking uh, either iTunes, Amazon, uh, Video on Demand, anywhere where you can get movies. VOD, um, they call that. Manchild, the Shea Cotton story, uh, the documentary about the LA Prep Hoops phenom. And we've both seen it. We actually did a long interview with Shea for the show that we do uh, for ESPN LA 710, um, 10 to 11, Monday through Friday on their Twitter feed, like live stream Periscope. And it's a really interesting documentary about this kid who was considered LeBron before LeBron. Mm-hmm. And in high school, he played against guys like Kobe. Uh, Baron Davis, Lamar Odom, Ron Artest, Kevin Garnett, and he was considered the next big thing. Didn't end up happening that way, and the story of why is really interesting and compelling, and uh, people should check it out. Again, Manchild, the Shea Cotton story. It's going to be on video and demand or iTunes, Amazon, uh, anywhere you get movies, June 23rd. So check that out. Awesome. Um, all right. So we'll, uh, we'll be back. We'll be keeping an eye on the news. See what happens. Pop on midweek if we need to. Uh, otherwise, we'll be back next week. Thanks, everyone.